Good morning. Okay, listen, I'm not Jay. I get it. We could do a little better on the good morning, so we'll try it again. All right, good morning. There we go. It is a beautiful day outside. Rain was in the forecast the whole week, and we've got this beautiful day, sunshine. Um, I'm so excited to hop into God's Word uh, together with you. My name is Christoph, by the way. I'm the minister to youth and families here at Faith. Um, This morning, we are going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 2. Throughout this summer, we have been working through the concept of praying through Scripture, which might sound a little bit like a foreign concept because we can look at books as a collection of words written on paper. It can be easy to look at the Bible as nothing more than a book, a collection of books, a collection of letters, a collection of history, poetry, more. But we know that the Bible is so much more than that. The Bible is God's literal word given to the church. It is far more than just a book. It is the written words of the one who created the dirt of the earth that we sit on. He is the one who created the galaxies that we look up to at night. He is the one who created the really loud thunderstorms that wake us up at three in the morning last night with the crazy lightning. Seriously, a bedroom was just lighting up. That was crazy. Um, The Bible is far far more than just a book to read. It is God's word given to us so that we may be saturated in it, so that we may know God, so that we may love God, and that we may love others. This is why we don't just read God's word, but we need to be people who pray through God's word. Now, teaching how to pray through God's word can be a difficult task because prayer is something that is deeply relational. It's deeply personal. It's an action that looks different from each person. But the beauty of praying through scripture is that while we have this personal relational practice with God, we have this unifying truth that we surround ourselves with, which is God's word. This makes praying through God's word both personal and communal. So this morning we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10. And and what we're going to do is we're going to break it down a little bit. We're going to break the passage down. And then we're going to uh, talk a little bit about what it might look like for different people to pray through this passage. Now, before we read this passage, I want to give a little encouragement that I read a few weeks ago as we've been going through this summer series, and it challenged and encouraged me, and I wanted to pass it on to you. If, if you have been listening, uh, if you've been here for, for the summer and listening to the sermons, and you are still struggling to pray through Scripture, you've listened to these sermons and you don't find yourself doing it, uh, there is a simple four-word phrase that I came across. It was coined by the Puritans. And it challenged me, and, and all it is is simply this, pray until you pray. Pray until you pray. It is a simple call of encouragement to persistence. If you are struggling in your prayer life, if you are struggling to have this conversation with God, if you are struggling to have this personal relational action, my challenge to you is to pray until you pray. All right, so we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10. I want to pray really quickly. We're going to read through this whole passage, and we're going to break it down. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for uh, the opportunity to celebrate with a brother who who is professing new life in you. It is an incredible encouragement to see baptism, to see somebody profess you as Lord, 
God, I pray that um, you would remind the Christians here of their baptisms, of their professions of faith. God, I pray that you would challenge those who have not been baptized uh, to take that step in faith. God, I pray this morning that you would help me to rightly divide your word. I pray that your word would come to life. I pray that we would hear your word, God, and it would stir us up to love you more and to love those around us more. Help us to see your word as not just a collection of words written in a book, but rather the written word of a living God who is working through this world and help us to walk in those works. Lord, we love you. You are good. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 say this. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power. And this wind is killing me. Following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved." I don't know if your guitar is going to be saved by grace. That, hopefully it stays in tune. And raises up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his kindness, of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, before we walk through this passage in terms of prayer, I want to soak some of the truth of this passage. Paul is writing to a city called Ephesus, hence the title Ephesians. That said, the letter was not meant to end in Ephesus. It was a letter that was written specifically to be circulated around the church in Asia Minor. It was written in such a way to be passed around from church to church in that time. And as we see through the next 2,000 years throughout church history, here we are in Peshtigo, Wisconsin in the year 2020, 2,000 years later, reading the same letter that was written to the church. Think of all the different people that you are unified along with when you read this encouragement. Think of the number of cultures and situations, the pandemics, the, the great years, the, the difficult times that you are unified with when you read this passage. According to this passage, there are two states of the human heart, and only two. There is dead, and there is alive. Verse 1 states that you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. And then later in verse 5, it states that we are made alive by the grace and mercy of God. Those who are dead are said to follow the prince of the power of air, that is, Satan, the evil one. And, and the dead are those who follow the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. They are called children of wrath. And they are those who care for themselves and themselves only. They are consumed with the promises of this world. They find hope at the bottom of a bottle or a number in a bank account or the number of people who attend their parties. 
The Bible does not mince words here. They are not merely sick. They are dead. And on the other hand, we have those who are alive, life granted by God through his mercy and grace. Those who are alive, those who see the immeasurable riches of the grace of Jesus. Those who, according to this passage, will be raised up and seated alongside the king of kings in eternity. Those who experience the complete forgiveness by God, they're not only cleansed of the condition of death, but are promised to walk alongside God in eternity. The fruit in this life that they experience is told of in Galatians 5. It is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's what it looks like to be alive in Christ. It is so important for us to know the two states of the human heart, because I think that we oftentimes underplay both of them. I believe that we view the human condition as merely a sickness that affects the heart, and we continue on as if it was some nuance in the, uh, nuisance in the world that we deal with from time to time. But if we're to believe Paul here in Ephesians chapter 2, it says the human condition is dead. Dead men and women do not talk, they do not walk, they do not breathe. They are dead. Now, I'm going to disappoint a lot of people here when I say this. I could never get into hunting. Could never do it. I tried. My dad tried. (laughs) Tried to get me into hunting a lot. When I was younger, we would go to deer camp for the weekend with some family friends. We would go out. We would sit in the deer stand and patiently or maybe not so patiently wait for deer to make their way out. And it bored me to tears, sometimes literally. I'm sorry about those moments, Dad. I know that I scared away the deer. That said, I will never forget the one year. I'll never forget this this one time where um, I was was done with hunting. My dad and brother were out hunting, and I get this phone call that they shot a deer. And they needed help bringing it back to camp. So I drove my black Ford Taurus out to where the deer was. And sure enough, they were standing over the top of a dead deer. And they were ready to pop it into my trunk of my black Ford Taurus. I still remember the dried blood that was on the bumper for a while. I was afraid I was going to get pulled over or something. We went to go lift the deer, this deer that was obviously dead. I could not help but flinch because in my mind, I thought this deer was going to come back to life and like jump on top of me or something. You're like... Head up to it and I just, ah, you know, like little terrified. It was obviously dead. That thing was not moving. I don't know what I was afraid of. I still do not like being around like dead animals. Not my thing. But I, I remember not hearing the end of it. This deer was dead. Just pick it up and pop it into the trunk. And there's a reason that this is kind of a funny story, right? Because the deer was dead. was not coming back to life. There was nothing that deer could do in that moment. And yet there I was in those moments, still scared of it. This is the same thing with the condition of the human heart. We cannot understate our condition outside of Christ. This is why sin is so poisonous, so perverse, so corrupting. It does not merely make alive people do bad things. It kills In this state, we are servants to sin because it is all we know. We carry out the passions of our flesh. We are children of wrath. 
Even the deeds that we believe to be good are evil when carried out by the dead. Think about this for a moment. If a dead person deems an action to be good, who is the judge of that action? They are. Who are the dead to be judges of actions of right and wrong? They have no ability to do so. They are dead in their condition and therefore can only do as the dead do. And it is crucial that we understand the human condition because we are either one, servants to that condition. We are either in this moment dead to our trespasses or two, we were once servants to that condition brought to life through the incredible mercy and grace of God. And this is the second condition of the human heart presented by Paul in this passage. Verse 4 states, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. What a blessed assurance we have in Jesus. Can I get an amen? Those caught dead in their trespasses are raised to new life by the works of Jesus. Dead things do not spring back to life on their own, but God in his mercy looked upon his people and raised them to new life. Take a moment to think about this. God's creation made alive from the dust of the earth by his very own hands. They rebelled against him. They looked more fondly to the fruit of the tree than they did their very maker. And by doing so, and by doing so, by looking to that fruit, they sealed the condition of the human heart death. It could very well have been in God's justification to leave his creation in this state. Justice demanded a price for sin for the first Adam. And rather than pouring out his wrath on his creation, he took on flesh. He bore the wrath deserved for us, taking the penalty that we deserved. And then Jesus rose from the grave, conquered that human condition of death, offers life to anyone caught in that condition, all for the low, low price of nothing. There is nothing you can do or you can give or words you can say that would bring you life because you are dead in your trespasses. This is why Paul reminds us in verse 8 that we are alive by the grace of God and God alone. Through faith, it is not a result of your doing. It is purely a gift of God. So listen, everyone who reads this passage, who is listening to this sermon right now, who exists on this earth, falls under one condition or the other. You are either dead in your trespasses or you are alive in Christ. If you are alive in Christ, then you were once dead in your trespasses and your only response to those who are currently dead, if you are in condition number two, your only response to those in condition number one is to give the very good news that God has the ability to bring life from death. There are some Christians who want to look at those who are outside of the faith with disgust or pity because of their condition or because of the things they do, not recognizing that you have the very good news that they need to hear. It would be like walking past a hungry or thirsty man or woman and then denying them a drink or food all because they were thirsty or hungry. And that's the last part of this section of scripture. It is a call for those who are alive to go beyond being just alive and to be living. Are you alive in your faith or are you living your faith? Listen to verse 10 here. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It means if you've been given the gift of life, you need to live it. God has prepared good works for you to walk in, so walk in them. Live a life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Husbands and wives, love each other well with the love that you have been shown by Christ. Fathers and mothers, love your children well. Lead them in the ways of the Lord. Adults who are not married or do not have children, love those who are in your sphere of influence well. Recognize that you are in a unique position of life to devote more time to the ministries God has called you to than those who are called to minister to their families. Christians, young and old, are called to disciple one another and then to tell the dead the good news of Jesus and to walk in the newness of life that you have been offered. So then, how do we pray through this passage? How do we look at Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10, and pray it? Seeing it more than just words on paper, but seeing this passage as water flowing from the wellspring of life. If, if all we've done with this passage is stimulated our brains, but we have been not moved in our hearts and our hands, then we have completely missed the beauty of God's very word at our fingertips. As I mentioned earlier, prayer is both relational and personal. And, and because of it, I can only give you a few offerings on what praying this passage might look like. I can't just give you the exact words to pray. I can't give you the exact actions to take. But I can give a few ideas of what it might look like. I'm going to give two, we're going to talk about this through the two different states of the human heart. So one, maybe you're here this morning and, and you, you witnessed that baptism and you have no idea what baptism is or you've never been baptized. Maybe, maybe you hear this passage and you recognize or identify with the person who is dead in their trespasses. You do not feel alive with Christ, but rather you feel the pains of death and you wrestle with your sin. You feel like you walk with the weight of your sin, carrying out your own desires rather than the desires of God. I want to first of all give you encouragement. The dead do not recognize that they're dead. If you feel in your heart if you read in this passage, if you've listened this morning and you go, I am the, the dead person in their trespasses. I am not alive. I am a child of wrath. And you recognize that? Do you not understand that God has already begun a work in your heart? God has already begun a work inside of you. Go before God. Confess your sins. Repent. Turn away from them. Run away from them. Turn them over to God. Request before a good and holy God that he would raise you to life. Here's the promise that God gives to those who go before him and confess their sins. First John 1, 9 states, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is no amount of straying that you could do that God is not faithful to forgive you from. 
Listen, if this is the first time that God has tugged on your heart and brought you to a position of confession and repentance, then we want to rejoice alongside of you. First of all, we want to welcome you into God's family because God is doing a work in your heart. And if this is a prayer that you pray this morning, please come and talk to one of us who are on staff here. Talk to me. You can talk to uh, Pastor Robbie, Pastor Jay. Um, just talk to any of us. We want to pray alongside you. We want to welcome you. If you saw the baptism this morning and you have had it tugged on your heart, I need to get baptized. I need to get baptized. God is calling me to be baptized. And do it this morning. We even threw chemicals in there so it's clean. So you're good to go on that front. What an incredible work that has begun in your heart. Don't just shh that voice away. Engage it. For those who are here this morning and you are alive in your faith, you have been saved from the stings of death. You profess Jesus Christ to be Lord. I want to suggest two potential prayers out of this passage for you. And, and these are two prayers for you to pray throughout the week, maybe some challenges for you uh, to, to take home and, and, and practice this week or this afternoon. The first one is to pray remembering. It's a prayer of remembrance and praise. Too often, us Christians, we grow numb to our salvation and we forget what it is we've been saved from. Listen, if you are alive in Christ, it is only because you were once dead and by the grace and mercy of Christ, you have been brought back to life. A prayer of remembrance and praise might look like this, taking time to remember the ways that the world had once gripped you and then praising God for saving you out of that muck and mire. It might sound something like this, Lord, thank you for grabbing me from the depths of my sin. Before you brought me to life, I had anger I could not control. I was completely lost in myself, my own desires, my own entitlement. And I would completely destroy anyone who got in my way. Take away my selfish ambitions. Give me a heart to love those who are around me, especially when it doesn't fit my convenience. It's also too often that Christians grow arrogant in our salvation. And we start putting faith in the different things we have done since our conversion. We start looking at our works as the reasons that we've been saved. May we never forget that it is completely by the work of Jesus that we've been saved and never by the works that we have done. No amount of good works, no amount of good words, no amount of right prayers can save a man or a woman. It is only by the work of God. It reminds me of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. This is one of my favorite passages. What a passage to memorize. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Remember who you were, remember who you are, and remember who it was that brought you back to life. 
Go before God and thank him for taking you out of where you were and bringing him into where you are. A prayer of remembrance and a prayer of praise. Number two, the second prayer for a person who is alive in their faith. Paul gives a very clear charge at the end of verse 10 that we would move not just from being alive, but to being living. There is a difference. It's like the difference between drifting and swimming, right? You are out to sea. There is a large difference between just drifting out at sea and actually swimming. Are you going to be pushed by the currents or are you going to at least put the work in to swim across it? Paul states in verse 10 that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Christian, do you wake up this morning asking, do you wake up in the morning asking God what the good works are that he has prepared ahead of you for this day, today, right now? Do you spend the early moments of your day asking God how you could walk in those good works, how you could love those who are around you? Do you spend time asking the Lord what good works he's laid out before you when you go into the store or when you engage your family or when you go to work? Maybe this is the prayer you need to be praying as you walk through Ephesians chapter 2. Listen, it does not suggest that maybe God has prepared works ahead of time, that maybe you'll walk in them. And who knows, maybe you'll even get to see them. No. He has prepared good works that we should walk in them. Go before the Lord in prayer. Ask him what those are. Ask them. Ask him how you can walk in those good works. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. And they're going to lead us in a song of response to Ephesians chapter 2. Um, and what else is going to happen is Jay's going to come up here and he's going to be over here. Um, I'll be over here. If you're interested in being baptized, if you're interested in, in, in having a physical representation, a profession of the dead coming to life, which is what baptism is, is that physical representation, please talk to one of us. We want to celebrate with you as a church family. And if no one comes up here to be baptized, that is all right too. Let us sing sing praises to our God who brings dead things back to life. Lord, you are good. You are so good. Thank you for taking me dead in my trespasses and bringing me to life. God, thank you that it is not on me to bring life because I know that if it was on me, I would mess it up. I know that if it was on me, there would not be life. But because of your mercy and your grace, you have saved me. You've saved me from walking, being, a, being the walking dead and you have saved me from eternal death. God, I pray this morning for those who have been convicted of walking, of, of, of being dead in their trespasses. God, I pray that you would bring dead things to life this morning. I pray that you would bring dead, dead men and women to life this morning. If there, are those in there, if there are those here this morning who are walking in their sin and do not know you as Lord, God, I pray that you would humble them to come before you. 
God, I thank you for the work that you're doing in their hearts. And God, for those out there this morning that would call themselves Christians, that would profess you to be Lord, please, Lord, help us to never forget the work that you've done in us. Help us to cherish it. Help us to remember it. Help us to praise you for that work. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.